Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Travis. And I'm George. And this is the second half of the fall break 2021. As we branch a little bit out of the mainstream and try to connect some dots that God never intended to connect. George, how you doing tonight, man? <laughs> I'm all right, bro. Travis, Travis, you're back. You don't sound like you're on the International Space Station anymore. <laughs> no, we're good. This is, uh, I, I, that was my impression of Kenny. What was that? <laughs> Kenny? <laughs> Sounds like Kubrick trying to fake the space landing. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, we're good. I guess it's a moon what? landing. You don't land on space. We're off <laughs> to a good start tonight, boys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ah, shit. This week, we had George watch John Carpenter's classic, The Fog. George, did you watch The Fog? Uh, I sure did. Did you like The Fog? I sure didn't. Mm. What? Mm. Was I supposed to? Insert the sound of, like, brakes Mm. squealing. (laughs) Two cars slammed together. You didn't like The Fog? Nah, bro, it's a total snoozer. What? Yeah. Ugh. I know that you're gonna like connect all these dots for me with like like a bunch of jallos and stuff. Mm, no. No. No, not really. So. It's just a good. You movie. both like this movie? It rocks. I, I, well, it's nostalgia, Travis. I mean, okay. This is a. This was like one of the first scary movies I ever watched when I was a kid. Okay. Uh, Image wise. Um, commercial like uh, trailer wise and being forbidden to watch r-rated movies oh yeah you can't watch this you know this was the kind of movie that you said good night mom dad and when they went to bed you ran downstairs and tried to find this in vhs somewhere and watch it yeah like it's all i'm all over this the kid travis there's reasons why i love it watching it last night there's i do have problems with it so i I'm going to enjoy this discussion. Sure. But I do love it for probably different reasons okay. than Dan does. No, I'm going Fair to enough. put right out on Front Street. I avoided The Fog for a long time uh, because it's called The Fog, and I thought that sounded kind of boring. So hmm. I think I watched it for the first time after the pandemic began. Oh. And immediately I was just like, oh, I missed an awesome movie. How stupid of me to spend first 30-something years of my life thinking this movie would be boring when, in fact, I thought it kicked a lot of butt. I think I've watched it four times in the last year and a half. Sweet. It's really good. And so, George, we, we've got some work to do. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Break out your marble notebook and your abacus and your compass. <laughs> do they still make those marble notebooks? They really, I mean, yes, nowadays, yes. I just imagine they make like uh, tablet covers that look like the marble. But Where the hell else are you going to get your measurements? <laughs> if they don't make tablet covers that have that pattern, they, they should. should. Yes. Copyright the remedial film class podcast. <laughs> I'm a little, I'm a little bummed. Well, but... you know, we've had this happen before, and we will fix him. I hope. <laughs> now, uh, let me ask you just straight up, George. Yeah. Tomorrow night, you and I are going to watch a movie, and it has to be either Halloween two. Or The Fog. Which one are you picking? Halloween 2. Why? Familiar. Mm, I don't know, man. They're basically the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, this... I don't know. Like, I just didn't... I just didn't... 
buy into the whole thing from the beginning. You know, hmm. it's got that like I don't know. I want to like kind of maybe blame it on the supernaturalness of it. Does that make sense? But then again, like Michael Myers isn't exactly right. Would know? it have been? Would it have been better if they didn't foreshadow the whole ghost story thing? And it just was like this fog, this ominous fog. And then at the end, you see what's in the fog and why it's there. This reminds me of our uh, discussion of The Shining. Like, why did really? they tell you right up front? Well, Let's, it's, it's you know kind of I mean? this, my same uh, That wasn't a foreshadowing. That was, that was just a... No, it was establishing a story. But it, it, to me, I know that scene, that campfire scene in the beginning is mm-hmm. was not a reshoot, but it was like a... Uh, soundstage scene thrown in. I don't know if it was written during the original script writing or if they threw it in to kind of tie things up. But to me, I I always thought this movie would have been scarier if you didn't know it was a ghost revenge story. It doesn't change it at all for me because it's still kind of a cool, you know, the the leprosy pirates that, or yeah. basically coming back for their gold. That's a story that's been used. You know what that movie times. would be called? Pirates of Caribbean. <laughs> no, no, no. The one you just described, what? where you don't know what's going on with the fog, it would be called The Happening. Or it would be called What the Fog. <laughs> 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 yeah, kind of like The Happening. Yeah. You All know, you know is that when the wind blows, you just hold your breath because you might die. Or you, or yeah. you will die. But I kind of like those stories. Like and you don't know why. You know, there's a, there was a show on. It kind of dealt with the uh, the idea of the rapture, uh, where people just all of a sudden, kind of like Thanos, like uh, two thirds of the population just disappears. Like mm-hmm. middle of eating cereal, poof, gone, mm-hmm. and you don't know where your third child is. You don't know where your husband is. Like it just happens. And they don't explain to you what happened until you find out what happened. So then there's like this whole mystery and this and that. To me, I think this story is a great story, but if it was done today, I think they rushed to the story too quickly. Like the the build up was nice, but they they let you in on the secret too early to the point where you knew what that fog was, why it was there on April twenty first. Like all those things you already knew. So now yeah. you're just sitting back and watching. Yeah, which I guess is kind of why it was boring. Yeah, I think if they would have taken the Michael Myers approach where this fog is is an entity, it's a it's a happening, but you don't know what's in that fog. You do see the shadows walking across the windows. I love the whole knocking of the door when I was a kid that scared the shit out of me. You know, mm. the, the 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 tapping the glass, like all those things is eerie. Like I, I kept thinking this this movie's spooky. It's just a spooky movie. It's a spooky ghost story. But you're given too much information, so now you're sitting there thinking, okay, when am I going to see these pirates? When am I going to do this? When am I gonna... So you're not really yeah, and then you focusing s- on the And then the you see suspense. them and they have red LED eyes. Yeah. Which I think is cool as hell. Shut your mouth. You look hey. kind of cool. So <laughs> here's the thing, man. This movie is released in 1980, the same year as Friday the 13th. And instead of a crazy Ralph, this movie gives you exposition at a campfire which at the beginning of the movie you don't really know is this story lead up for me or is this actually part of the world and you could be forgiven if 10 minutes in the movie you're like oh that's the kid from this oh that happened the night before Mm -hmm. oh this is actually part of the movie and not just like something for the audience like 
it's kind of brazen the way they do it. But I'll remind you, Halloween 1, they do the exact same thing. They present you with a little bit of mystery up front, and then they're like, oh, by the way, it's this kid, and his name is Michael, yeah. and he stabbed his sister, and there's no more whodunit mystery because this movie is about this guy killing people. But at the end of the movie, they're like, oh, but by the way, he might be a boogeyman for real because his body right. is gone. There's no dent in the grass. And he's somewhere right. in the streets, breathing heavily. Breathing somewhere. Maybe. Maybe he's the wind, right? Like, so in a way, <laughs> this movie is just like... Breathing heavily. This movie picks up right where Halloween ends. Halloween, the first one, picks, <laughs> leaves off. Don't let me reference the movie mm. coming out next year. Right at the end of Halloween 1, 78, he becomes an entity for the first time. He is now no longer human, maybe. He may be in the air, maybe. And then you cut to a movie, The Fog, where the enemy is in the air again. It's like the mm. inverse of the Halloween formula in a way. And you notice it happens on April 21st, right? Six months. April is the half year away from Halloween. And it's the 21st instead of the 31st, but it's like... The journal entry from the uh, grandfather. The grandfather priest was April 30th. Was it April 30th? Yes. Well, and there is no April 31st, right? So, I mean, you, you, have to, you have to acknowledge the connections to Halloween and the dates to kind of see the context of where this movie is. When you, this is the movie that follows Halloween, essentially. This is the, the first theatrical release movie that Carpenter did. Their idea was to just do installments for Halloween. Mm-hmm. It wasn't specifically going to be Michael Myers. So... This would have been a good Halloween too, I think. Uh, Halloween okay, two, so, the fog. So I think ha- that would the have been Halloween cool. movies were going to be like a different villain each time. Not or a like villain, but thinking. almost like little, um, little stories, kind of like kinda the strange like, tales, kind of like stories. Black Mirror. Like each episode is something completely different. Yeah, an anthology okay. yeah. is how you an anthology. Yeah. So yeah. keep in mind too, Halloween comes out in seventy eight. Friday the Thirteenth mm-hmm. comes out in eighty. Friday the Thirteenth Part Two is the first of the real like sequel sequels that will lead to the 80s and you know eight jasons seven freddies four yeah. five six halloween five halloweens by the end of the day like that sequelitis that happens hasn't occurred yet when the fog comes out at this time it okay. is like a pure world where you make a movie and unless you're james bond you make a new movie the next time mm. but this the fog very much has some of the spirit of halloween but not at all related to the Michael Myers story, right. the setting, or anything like that. It almost right. has a feel of like a Stephen... You know how they always say Stephen King stories don't really take place in the same towns, but it's like a universe, kind of like yeah. the View Askew universe, where you could take all these characters and put them all in one movie, and you would see how they all interact, and it's, it's kind of like... Uh, I think this movie would totally fit in that maybe Carpenter was trying to do what Stephen King built, which is like a a universe that's in different books and they're all different people. They don't interact, but this all could be happening in in the same town. I think that, that I never even thought of that, Dan, when, but when you brought that up, that would have been phenomenal if this was the sequel to Halloween. When I never, that would have been awesome. As a kid, you know, I skipped this one, like I said, so I wouldn't have even considered it. Aaron, our regular contributor, 
his friend Eric is the one who originally like proposed this idea to Aaron. Aaron passed it on to me, and I was like, swipe. We're taking that mm. for the show because it's just too interesting a concept given how little of John Carpenter's heart is in Halloween 2. How much of it right. is recycled from Halloween 1, how much is deep red, just like re, you know, repackaged as an American movie. This movie is so much less derivative and so awesome. Even if George found it sleepy, that's okay. What were your expectations, right? We didn't give you any. Mm. If you expected, you know, Rob Zombie's Halloween <laughs> in terms of violence and, and cursing and stuff, and you get this kind of, I mean, I could show this movie to my kid and he'd have nightmares, yeah. but he wouldn't be scarred for life. This is one of those movies that you suggest to somebody who's like, oh, I have an eight-year-old. How do I break them in the horror movies? And you're like, oh, you know, watch Critters or watch Gremlins or watch The Fog because it has enough scare in it Yeah, image-wise. Like, I remember when I was a kid, the, all the scenes where, you know, especially like the old lady, the babysitter opening that door and that fog just billowing into the house. And the kid's being real annoying. He's like, oh, you want to see? And she's like, and the, the moment he turns to walk out, that's when the arm comes and grabs her. Like, it's it's just, it's a haunted house. It's like, a, yeah. it's just a spooky haunted house from it's 1980. It's good, uh, good jump scares in there, too. Good jump scares and good image imagery. Like, I love that. And I totally forgot about the scene with the, the driftwood when it started leaking salt water. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was like, I totally forgot about that. Well, what did it say? Six, six must die or something like that. Yeah, or? and it was, it was like, you know, what this reminded me of Dan, like an old nineteen forties radio broadcast. Oh yeah, yeah, I could see like, that. Like when I'm watching it, I'm like, I, I, I was getting like a War of the Worlds kind of feel. Like uh, you can almost see these people in a studio doing multiple parts in different microphones. And like it just seemed like a radio play. Well, and it helps that it's like tied together so much by Adrian Barbeau, this right. like you know kind of voice in the ether bringing people together in an old fashioned kind of way. Yeah, I could totally see that. My drawbacks for it, they were sticking out like crazy. <laughs> like I was just like, the whole Tom Atkins Jamie Lee Curtis romance was not necessary. The, like it was you pick up a hitchhiker only, and then they fall in love within a day. I don't know if they fell in love. Like not only, not only is it unnecessary, it just seems it unnatural. Icky. There yeah. was no chemistry there. It was just like, but it would have made more sense if they were already together. Like to make her a hitchhiker, kind of coming into the scene, it kind of stuck. A lot out. of things about this movie were kind of like that. It you know where I'm just kind of like, why is anybody doing what they're doing? Right. <laughs> why is anyone you know you know with the original you know the original story the original six it's like why why did we all plot to do this like what well, i think that was a cool backstory why? the problem is it kind of got lost in the modern stuff but that whole story of a well, of a 19 or 1800s town totally screwing over these sailors and and like it, i would i had no and, problem with and that how did they turn the priest like right did it like you know because that the new the, one or the, ori no, the original no like the okay. original like he's a, you know he's a priest and he's a, you know he's you know he's supposed to be you know meh. i think uh -huh. they're all they were all greed greedy they were all just greed that's yeah, it? I think the sin of greed. You know that that's an old, one of the oldest stories in time. I don't know, man. And how did the priest end up with a grandson, 
who's also a priest. I was trying to figure out well, the metaphysics of that. They, they could get married. They could have children. But that guy was not. They're, he didn't strike me as a guy who like came from a. Fa- you know, he was so isolated in that church. He doesn't strike right. me as somebody who came from like a warm, loving family. Like they were trying to kind of have their cake and eat it too. Is what they're doing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But that that I don't know, man. If someone came to me and they were like, "Listen, George, there's this van." It's coming into this parking lot at a certain date and time. It's got millions of dollars in it. And what we're going to do is we're going to steal those dollars. I'm be like, dude, dude, I can't be bothered. <laughs> Honestly, like, I don't care how many millions of dollars it is. Mm-hmm. I can't be bothered. You know what I mean? What if it was not you, dollars, but instead plutonium? And what if the person asking you to do it was Doc Brown? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> right. But any See? other scenario is like, dude, we could make a million dollars. We can make $10 million. Like, if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. Yeah, but like, I think I think the underlying story there is you're, you're thinking modern. These are like downtrodden, almost like starving to death people, like basically settlers of this small, you know, ocean town that they want to establish, but they can't. Because they don't have the funds, they don't have the whatever. So they're, I think they're greedy in the fact that they're going to screw this guy over, and they do it in a, royally to the point where he, he, the town's now cursed. And you know, not to mention, there did they have leprosy or did they get leprosy? <laughs> like I don't remember how leprosy the leprosy worked. There's out. a leper colony involved, but they're not very great on right. the details. You know, it, it's one of those things though where it's like you know there are no consequences. The consequence, though, is this curse. Like, there was no way for them to be stopped, right? They, they had their little conspiracy. It was going to work out. No one could stop them. And really, no one in their time could, you know, even bring repercussions upon them. What they didn't take right. into account was the curse that would fall, you know. I think it would have been cool if they established early, because they were talking about the six, right? Yeah. Somehow, and they f- called themselves conspirators. I just think their guilt was kind of taking over. In the you talking about the journal entries? Yeah, the journal. Yeah, I think it's like almost the, like confessional. He's talking about the conspirators. Like, yeah, I don't know. But like, if they would have established last names, six last names, and then established that the modern people have those last names, then you're kind of seeing that these are the lineage of the original founders that screwed over these pirates or these lepers, and. They're not going to wipe the whole town out. They're there to deal with the six people that are descendants of the people that screwed over Blake. It almost seems been... silly that they didn't do that because that would have yeah. been a cool move. Because it's like you have the, well, they kind of established it with the priest having the same last name as the original priest. Well, yeah, but we got to get a but... checklist. You got to have at least one who like can't understand why the ghosts are chasing her. And then she's like, but my mother's maiden name right. was... She's... <laughs> <laughs> She's got to have like a Jeff Goldblum moment where he's, he's like, yeah, the countdown, it's a countdown. You know, it's like that one character that figures the shit out and says, listen, your great, great grandfather and her great, great grandmother screwed over this Blake guy with Father Malone or Marone or whatever it was like that would have been a cool established thing because then now you're seeing why that fog is passing over certain houses and not passing over others. Like it's, it's, it's going after the sheriff. It's going after the old lady babysitter. It's going after the DJ. 
going after the priest. So now you're establishing these are the six people that are descendants of the original six. And that would have added a lot of, I think, to the story. I guess, yeah, but then the fog also goes after people that are not involved. But I think they wouldn't have to do that because then they could have shown this fog. It's almost like, did you ever see Twister? The like the tornado movie, yeah. Like, yeah, she says a line in the movie where she's like, You've never seen you know a tornado miss this house and miss that house and come right after you. Like, it's, it's, yeah, to me, it would have been kind of cool to see that fog kind of winding through those streets and not picking off whoever it touches, but actually Michael Myersing the town and going after certain people and and arriving at certain destinations and missing others. Okay. That would have been kind of cool. And then the water turns to blood. Maybe. And then frogs and stuff. And then they could have ended it with that kid being like the last descendant. because you said Passover. I thought the same thing, Dan. I, I just kept thinking of <laughs> You've never seen that movie, man. I was thinking of Ten Commandments. I had it in my head. Yeah. I think I have seen that. You said actually. you hadn't seen that. We have the tape. <laughs> Roll it back. Wait, Ten Commandments. Isn't that... Yeah, when we talked about Westworld, we were like, you've seen Yul Brynner, he's Ramses in Ten Commandments. You're like, oh, I've never seen right, that. Right. Mm, you have to I have think seen I have, it. though. Growing I up Catholic, I've seen it on TV when I was a kid. Some of it, yeah. yeah, when I was a kid. On it's like TV. saying, I've never seen the full Ben-Hur, but I've seen enough of it to not think I've seen it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I know about, like, I know that, yeah, I, I know that all those, you know, yeah. Old Testament they were back stories anyway. in your house. Yeah. <laughs> Your mom's like, oh, it's time for greatest story that's, ever told. Actually, that's just about the only movie I saw as a child, but I never actually watched it. Right. Yeah. I, that actually, yeah. I believe it's the that. Only, yeah. It's the only movie plot that I knew when I was a kid. So, yeah. The, so, the book is better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The book is way the book better. Is better. <laughs> uh, like, to me, my other issue was it was like a two night event. Like, what was that all about? Like they were supposed to arrive on April 21st, but they're knocking on two doors and just kind of like saying, ha ha and then leaving. Like, I didn't know what that was all about just because they ran out. They, they, I don't know. To me, it was just like, they wanted to establish, because that was cool when Atkins like landed a date night with the hitchhiker and then the entity comes to the door and knocks, raps at the door. When does the straight up Michael Myers like shape? Yeah. It was yeah. so cool. That's <laughs> such a cool image. That part it is cool. awesome. George, do you have any idea who Tom Atkins is? He was mm. the main main character. The guy who picked up the hitchhiker. Uh you've never seen the him guy who's yeah, no, 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 yeah. I know who I know who you're talking about. He was the at the con that you went Jamie to. Jamie Lee but Curtis he yeah. didn't meet anybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was he? Yeah, he was there. He's a guy um, who after this movie takes off, right? Like he doesn't do a whole mm. he does some stuff in the sixties and seventies, but this movie and then a couple of movies to follow really put him on the map. And he ends up dominating like a whole subsection of 80s horror movies to where like he's a nostalgic hero for all of us. I definitely know his You're name. You're going to though. see him. He a has lot. a lot of gravitas. Like don't let him near yeah. your girlfriend or mother because that guy's got charisma. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> and apparently a huge hog. <laughs> I mean, one can surmise, right? Yeah. But I think I think a lot of that had to do with maybe a meeting between Jamie Lee Curtis and Carpenter where she said, listen, I want to play the complete opposite of Laurie Strode. He basically wrote... It's like the upside-down Laurie Strode. 
from Stranger yeah, Things. Like she like, was just like, not only am I uh, goody two shoes, but I'm gonna bang this guy. Like the car is still running immediately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like the windows just broke. He's hot. Let's go bang. I thought it was weird that she was like a sketch artist too, because it's like yeah. Alice from Friday the Thirteenth, uh, the same year does the same kind of sketch art. Like, I don't know what they're mm. both referencing that they would both simultaneously do that, but it's also funny that Alice is from California in the Friday the 13th right. movie. So it's like her, her sister, <laughs> you know, this mm. family's had a hell of a week, right? <laughs> <laughs> but what was weird with her, and I think if they would have established that they were together for a while and she was actually from that town, a lot of the other things that pissed me off would have made sense. Like her, her obviously running to bed with him really quick. It was strange because they they weren't acting like it was kind of funny. He was like, "Oh my, what's your name?" And then she she's like, "And what's yours?" So that, that kind of established that a lot by just those two lines. But there was a lot of forced chemistry there that was that shouldn't have happened yet. Yeah, like the dialogue in like just the first lines in the car and putting your arms around each other. Like all those things are like. No, but relationship like, like, type ch- stuff. like, check it out. Like the first, the first conversation in the car was like supposed to be flirtatious, I mm-hmm. guess. Like, are you weird? Are you weird? Yeah. You know, it's like, I've never hitchhiked before. Okay. Well then the last guy was weird. And he's like, thought you said this was your first time hitchhiking. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that whole, you're my 14th. That, that whole exchange was just awkward. awkward. Yeah. And did not feel like it was going to lead to banging right it felt like it was going to lead to police station <laughs> yeah <laughs> like but then they then they double down and they show that bedroom scene and then within an hour of that where they introduce each other after they've banged yeah it's they're still now awkward. embracing each other for like like sympathetic reasons like the the dead fisherman like she was acting like she's known these people forever she's shook She's yes. got these faces, and I'm like, wait, she doesn't know Again, anybody's which, name. Which in this goes town. back to my original question: Why are any of these people doing any of these things? Right. Why is George questioning it? It's a movie about pirate ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I don't we know, are not man, watching like... the Goonies with you, man. <laughs> oh God, no Goonies. I I've seen the Goonies. I love that movie. Why are any of those That's people doing the things they're doing? It's a treasure hunt, dude. Kids hunt treasure, bro. Uh, That's what they do. No, yeah. I, it's I, instinct. I, no problems with that movie. <laughs> not at all, bro. <laughs> and the relationships are not as forced as in this movie. No. There's chemistry there. Yeah. Now, and you guys notice that Jamie Lee Curtis's character mentions that she's from Pasadena. Mm-hmm. That's intentional. George, do you get that reference? Yeah. Hazard yeah. Walls. Yeah, she's walls. Same. Man. Yeah. That's where, <laughs> that's where Halloween is. You got those Did thin you ass notice, walls. Uh, the psycho reference? Uh, oh no. Which one? <laughs> oh two no. Two weeks in a row. <laughs> two weeks in a row. Uh Janet Lee is in this movie. Yeah. Who is from Psycho and that is Jamie Lee Harris's mother. She plays yes, the, uh, yeah, I, I the coordinator of the event. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's yeah, also so an H two O. I don't know if you remember George, but she was better in Halloween too. <laughs> And Nancy Loomis, who is... I saw the name Loomis in the credits. Yes, she's playing uh, the same character from Halloween. She's the personal assistant of <laughs> Janet Lee. Did you recognize Annie in this movie? Cause Annie. Annie's in this movie. She's got the same hair, the same dress, <laughs> and, 
and the same station wagon. But she looks older <laughs> yeah. and she has sunglasses. Right. She does not look bad. She's got a nice... Uh, well, I think she's playing her own age, she, right? So she doesn't look like a 30-year-old teenager anymore. She right, looks like right. a 30-year-old, 30-year-old. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, this is appropriate. That's good. Yeah, and they gave her just enough lines to where she was, and she didn't whine at all. So she actually mm-hmm. was uh, tolerable. I'm trying to think. I guess the kid did the most whining. The kid was terrible. The acting... There's a lot of problems with the acting in this movie. But again, it's just like Halloween. It's yeah. it's it's the um friends and family syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> like it's I mean, and also like I hate to rag on a kid, like it's gotta be it's gotta be incredibly rare to find a kid actor that's especially really back good. Then. Like Yeah, exactly. It's now, gotta be so but like yeah. it's gotta be so difficult to find. You're not gonna get a Haley Joel Osment back in nineteen seventy nine. Yeah. Although although Reagan you, True. I yeah, mean, you do. I mean, but even Reagan was older than he was. He was like eight. Reagan yeah, was, but like it still falls a... on the director. I, I think. Yeah. I think Carpenter has the same problem that Lucas has. They have amazing vision. They're great at storytelling. They they're awful get at shit directing, done, and they are terrible acting teachers directors, and yeah. directors. Like Carpenter has a part in this movie, and. He's awful. Yeah. <laughs> Did you catch awful. that at all, George? Did you recognize him? No, shit. I didn't. Well, who is, he's if Bennett. that man directed me, I'd be like, dude, don't tell me how to deliver any lines <laughs> he's, because that uh, is terrible. The priest's Sorry, assistant John. at the beginning of the movie who <laughs> wants to get paid and the priest is like, come in late tomorrow oh, morning. That's John Carpenter. That's, that's JC, huh? Yeah. but he, Friend of the show. He just, he read it. He read the line. That's all he did. And I'm like, he didn't even punctuate, didn't pause, nothing. It's bad, man. Yeah. So I was just like, wow, if that was my director, I get it. I I would, I'm on board. If John Carpenter ever wants me to do anything, I'm on board because I I can do the acting part for you. But you're going to be like Tom Brady and bring in your own like personal trainer. (laughs) I'll just, yeah, I'll just tell him stay his own lane. Like to me. Some directors just can't. Listen, JC, yeah. I saw your role in the fog. <laughs> you know, the guy who works, air quotes, works for the priest. Right. And you want to get paid? I'll do my yeah. own acting. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. I, I'll handle the character development here. You handle the story and the vision. <laughs> Hand everything off to somebody else. Yeah. But that was bad. So you can tell. Although I shouldn't write. Here's the thing. Again, like, it sounds like I'm, you know, like... I'm, I'm ripping John Carpenter, which I kind of am. But also, like, <laughs> dude made a well, movie. Well, Dan knows him really well, so that's true. <laughs> but like, but like, how crazy is this? Dude made a movie, right? Right. That like, how like millions of people have seen. Mm-hmm. What have I ever done? I don't know. Like, if I made a movie, would it be half as good? No. So like, you, you would call it butt work. But like, yeah, dude, <laughs> think about that. Dude made a movie. You're right. He made lots of movies. But he can't. He can't direct actors. No, he can't. Because <laughs> even uh, who's what's the, is it Cypress? What's the name of the guy who plays the the cop who's uh, Sheriff Bracket from Halloween? No. Oh, Dan, Dan the Weatherman. Yeah, Dan the Weatherman. Oh my god. Wow. I like him a lot. Great, right? No. Like, <laughs> I like everything he does. I don't know. No. I must just be a... That, I'm rounding up for it. him. Think about how pivotal that scene is where he's talking to the radio host mm-hmm. 
and he, on the and phone. She, yeah, it's like towards the end, and she's saying that fog is like right on top of you. Where is it? And he's like, "It's outside my house. It's outside <laughs> my window. My window. Someone's like, knocking at the door. door. It's like, oh, come on, dude. Some drunk guys being <laughs> funny. <laughs> like, it just the delivery was terrible, terrible, as my mother would say." Terrible, 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 just terrible. terrible. Haters gonna so, hate. I, I like. No, Dan. I love this. I love this movie. But watching it, why? Recently, why, again, I'm gonna turn the tables on you. You ask me why, what I didn't like, or like why this movie doesn't do it for me. Why the hell do you guys like? I think this I already movie? said some of it. Yeah, I know you did. I mean, but, imagey, image, image wise, imagery, story. But I mean, I think we've sat here for like a half an hour talking about all the things that we would have changed. So why the hell do you guys like this movie? <laughs> I think I love. I think I have a leg here. You you said you didn't like the LED light. I don't eyes. like the LED now, eyes. Rob Botin, who you know, Rob Botin, do I is a special effects artist for this movie. He made a little, a little bit of effects in the thing. Okay, the shit he did in the thing was only what a year and a half after this. Yep. So 81 that came out. So they probably were starting the thing right after they finished this. Okay, well, the thing was way better than this. Yes. And actually, even like... But that's studio money. Even the thing, even with the studio money and the thing, like some of the effects in the in the thing were great and some were not so good. Right. But, you know... It was, but for a ghost story... I didn't like, think the effects me- in this were good at all, bro. A lot of it was, for the time. Again, it's um a lot of this movie is ambiance and setting. Like, yeah, it's not like uh. All right, so this is nineteen eighty. What year was The Shining? Came out in nineteen eighty. Oh, that was eighty as well. Yeah, okay. but they'd done okay. four and a half years of production and you know a couple millions, yeah, and millions of dollars. Sixty-eight. <laughs> so I'm just I'm I'm trying to like put it like whenever you say like for its time, I always think of like I always think of a, a really old movie that's amazing because I guess maybe because it didn't push the limits, like or did it? maybe the director understood what could be done mm-hmm. and just said okay, I want to take it further, but like the technology's not there, it looks like garbage. Just See, just get I rid like, of it. When I say the movie's for its better time, for it when right. it doesn't have when they don't try to go overboard more than they're capable of. Because I'm old AF, when yeah. I say for its time, I'm usually saying, I remember being alive when this came out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I remember the movies that were on TV. So if you're watching, like when did Salem's Lot come out? Like 86, 89, That's, somewhere in that oh, range. that was the TV. Sh- so when you, when you think of Salem's Lot, it's a more, or it, it's a TV movie. I know that most of the fans know that, but if someone's coming out of the dugout and don't know anything about those shows, they're going to watch and go, oh, well, that was kind of lame, or that was this. And then someone like me would say, well, for the time, that was pretty fucking good for a TV movie. Like, it was like... Yeah. So, sometimes it's it's a curse and a blessing. Like, when you think about the ambiance in The Exorcist... That was made before this. But you have a seasoned director with studio money and A-list actors trying to set a tone. 
this is a guy in his backyard with the same three people that he just made Halloween with and in the same bag of leaves and <laughs> <laughs> and the same pack of cigarettes. Right. Like he was literally to make the fog was blowing cigarette smoke in front of the camera. You like, realize that you're making the uh, Kevin Smith argument. No, I know I am. I am. Yeah, I am. Okay. And but I'm still ripping on the acting. Well, and Kevin can... Smith. <laughs> He's like, so I'm consistent. I'm damn consistent it. <laughs> with with movies that have low budgets. A lot and of these sometimes... concerns could be voiced against Halloween. Like, if you hadn't loved Halloween yes. as much as you did right away, George, a lot of these same arguments can be made against Halloween. It's just that is the nature of low budget mil- filmmaking in the late seventies when they're making I this don't movie. Think... I don't. I don't see it. If what, anything, what? a lot of he actually. I, I would say Carpenter actually learned a bit from Halloween, in that and Precinct Thirteen. Like, there's a lot of Precinct Thirteen in this movie. Oh, there certainly is. Uh, but yeah. you know, he doesn't overexpose the ghosts, right? My complaint about the first Halloween is like, here's Michael Myers, here mm-hmm. he is again. <laughs> here's this statue white, of Michael Myers. <laughs> hey, look, he's here again. You saw him, and he's still on the screen, and now it's not a mystery anymore. Like, he does a good job in this movie of like not showing you the full ghosty until the very last scene. And then he's got my ghost because those eyes are all glowy and creepy out of nowhere. That's the, I mean, that's the trick, right? You don't focus on the fact that they're cheap, uh, you know, not even led, right? They're probably like no. some old, like tea uh, lights inside of yeah, glasses, incandescent <laughs> yeah. lights behind red plastic or something. Yeah. It's like hacked part of a car off and took the taillights and made, but anyway, uh, you know, that is an unexpected thing. It's supposed to get your ghost. Boom. Eyes. Ooh, shoot. They're all red and glowy. Ugh, I don't want to focus on the fact that... And it also is a way to establish that he's he's Blake. He's the leader. So it's like, you hear this name a few times in the journal entries. How do you establish, like, if it were a pirate movie, he would be the one with the monkey on the shoulder. Or he would be the one carrying the skull and crossbones flag like with the hook for yeah so with with this it was like all right they're already established that they're basically uh decomposing silhouettes that's that Mm -hmm. was the choice they made and then there's scenes where they show their hands and you can see they're wrapped so they kind of establish the leprosy thing they're wrapped in the fabric on their fingers and then the one of them had like maggots in its skin or whatever Mm -hmm. so they were they were going with ambiance as opposed to with Myers where it was like, all right, we're going to brand the shit out of this and this is our killer. This is his face. This is what he looks like. And this is what we're doing with this. It was more like, this is the story. Here's the silhouettes. Let's put them in cool positions and make them eerie and spooky. But we need to establish one of them is the leader, but they're not wearing pirate hats because they're really not pirates. So let's try to figure out how to do it. Okay. We'll give them red red eyes. Yeah. How do you make something stand out as different than the others when you really can't show any of them for an extended amount of time to, you know, overexpose their makeup. You only show one of them. I mean, it's not unlike the Ninja Turtles in the movies <laughs> and cartoons having different colored uh, right. eye, what are they? Which is not original. They're little bandanas. Because in the, yeah, in the, the comics they all have the same color. red in the original. Eye-danas? Yeah, yeah they they're were eye-danas. identified by their weapons. They weren't identified by colors. You realize we just made it the word eye-dana? I'm on board with totally missed it. I'm on board with Idana. That's that's on the t-shirt. Idana. (laughs) He said Travis over here. He's like, well, I mean, they all had red over that. They all had red bandanas, and their (laughs) weapons were different. It's like, dude, we just invented the word Idana. 
All right, rewind it. Anyway, okay. Now that we were we talking about? Now that we've identified the problem. Oh, hey, oh I quit. <laughs> Slam the door. Get your, get your check on the way out. <laughs> uh. Oh man, we did talk about jump scares earlier. That one on the boat. Oh my gosh, it's so good, and it's like good, clean fun. But it's the. Uh, I think I'll go to Vancouver now after the initial like. It's. The- Random it's the double. Yeah, it's, it's the, the double. double. The first you. one goes, you're just like, oh, good. She's going to va- go to Vancouver now. Bam! Dead body. Mm. Yeah. So good. That's a good one. I don't, dude. Most of the time, the jump scares don't get me. That one did. Not, not that, like, you know, like. And you got your so scary, traditional like, Jamie Lee Curtis scream from that as well. Yeah, she did. And, you know, just the, the one after the other, it's like, you know, this boom, and it's like, it's like whatever it is, light bulbs or something. And you're like, oh, okay. And then it's like, boom, another one is like, wasn't expecting that mm-hmm. one. That was good. That was good. But again, because jump scares are only good when you're not expecting, expecting them, it, right? right? So, yeah, that was a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there were a few in this movie. Um, I, I have a. And they were only there to wake you up, you know, because while you're watching the movie and they're like, <laughs> you're kind of like dozing off a little bit, and it's like, boom, jump scare. Uh, I watched this movie at two in the morning and I didn't fall asleep. So, I'm just kidding, but I hear you. I understand. It was. I mean, I'm only half kidding. And and you you didn't have a childhood crush on Adrian Barbeau, so she kind of keeps my attention as well. No, he might have an adulthood crush now. Which one was she? That was a uh, the the Stevie, the, the radio, um, the radio host. Mm. When she was one of my f- first, like, wow, not from this movie, but. And she's a nice person. Like, if you met her, she was also at the show that you didn't meet anybody. <laughs> uh, she's a, a very nice person to the uh, fans. It's funny. But it makes me wonder how you ended up with my sister. Why? <laughs> she's like the polar opposite. Yeah. Oh. Could you imagine Jen on a radio show? God, no. <laughs> now, now we're going to play another song. Everyone. Really? I want you. Yeah, yeah. She's basically uh, she's Edith Bunker. <laughs> yeah, Edith Bunker. <laughs> I don't know why I don't have any listeners. <laughs> I have two less listeners than you guys. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, oh no. shit! Those were the Aaron, days. Aaron would be a fan of hers. You think so? <laughs> yeah. He'd be sending her content. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, where Aaron finds all this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone on YouTube told us to do The Last Starfighter. They're like, mm. when are you guys doing The Last Starfighter? I'm like, oh, it's in the pile. Oh, yeah, man. I just it's bought a, it on Blu ray. It's a very big pile. <laughs> do, they, do they land in space on that movie? <laughs> yeah, they land <laughs> on space. It's a fake. It's a space <laughs> landing. <fake> space landing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Historic faked space landing. Very important. <laughs> you know, one thing no that the problem. fog does. Uh, not to take away from Adrian Barbeau, because damn. But damn. Uh, I mean, dude, she's reading the weather report. Just like, hey, here's the weather, babe. <laughs> she's That's like true. She's Delilah. She is Delilah. Yeah. It's almost like she's trying too hard for me, though. But you notice she had a radio voice and a regular voice. Yeah, no, she's good at it. Was, pretty sweet she's like get over here right now it is five three 
And I'm, it's like, whoa, like, really? Like, you were just, if you're trying to stay up, I'll keep you, I'll try <laughs> to keep you up. Succeeded. Jim's tires. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I would give her like every commercial to read. Here, just read this one. I like how all the weather reports were about fog. Hmm. There was, they didn't throw in like anything else. And there was no traffic. About so weather. they didn't really do traffic. Yeah, there was no traffic. Well, that's the thing, man. Coastal California, Northern California of all things, it's 76 the whole year round. Why do you need to tell anybody? Mm. And yeah, it's no true. LA traffic, so you're stuck with It's like fog, the Truman guys. Show. It is like the mm. Truman Show. Now, uh, one thing, and this actually kind of ties into the Truman Show, what the hell? Uh... One thing I thought Carpenter did really well in this movie, stick with me here, I'm not, I'm only half bullshitting. Uh, the fog, the world the fog exists in seems much bigger than Halloween, right? Like, Haddonfield is like two blocks square. And the fog, like... The, Unless you're driving with some pot in the car, then it's like the size <laughs> of Colorado. Well, that's true. Uh, <laughs> it's all of a sudden dark. Why is it dark? But Antonio Bay seems like kind of expansive <laughs> and wide, and they do a good job of like creating distance. But then when the lights go out and when nighttime hits, even before mm. the fog gets there, there's like an overwhelming claustrophobia in every shot, right? The camera is close. Everything is tight. Everyone is kind of crammed into different spaces, be it like a truck or a boat or a bedroom or a radio station. Mm. Like it's just, it kind of collapses in. Well, they do that in the very beginning. Like when that person's sweeping up the store, I'm like, geez, how does that guy even move around in there? He turns around. You know what I thought (laughs) when he was in the fridge? When he was sweeping the floor, I'm like, who the hell sweeps the floor like that? Like two inches at a time. Well, who the hell drinks orange juice out of the container and puts it back (laughs) in the fridge? Well, it's just like that guy in yeah. Friday it's 3. A bit man. of a douche, that guy. You know what I thought about that? I was like, you know, okay, that's obviously outlandish, right? Right. But maybe if you give the guy the benefit of the doubt, that's his orange he's juice grab it on the way that out. he's just keeping in the refrigerated section mm-hmm. to keep it cold. But he did kind of bury it. <laughs> <laughs> like a douche. <laughs> It's like those assholes that, that li- take the lid off but, the ice cream and lick it and put it back on. Yeah, but then I was like, no, nah, that's not it. <laughs> also, did you guys notice the, the wine bottle? This was really mysterious. Like, the, maybe the most mysterious thing of the whole movie. Go on. In the John Carpenter scene, mm. the priest, Father Maloney or whatever his Maloney, name is, yeah. pours himself a glass of wine, offers... JC some wine. He declines, has to be paid. JC leaves the room. Yeah. Then I don't know why. Two completely different people come in from the sack. Of, sack he of tries. Sides. He remembers that he needs to talk to JC about something else. I forget what it was. It wasn't important anyway. Mm-hmm. And when the camera switches, he left the, his radio. The there bottle of wine goes from having no cork in it. To being corked in a second. Ooh. Is Very the, eerie. Is this it the, wind, must have the Wendy been, theory? It must have been the ghosts. <laughs> well, the second the second shot was from behind. Oh. Ooh. I mean, Back I'm in. Back to the left. I'm in. So, I didn't check for light switches, though. No. Well, the other thing, it was out of whack. But that, that happened in the just... first five minutes, and I was like, well, that sets the tone yeah. for this movie. For me. Yeah, no, I was too busy crying about John Carpenter's acting in that scene. I didn't <laughs> <know what to laughs> say. But then again, yeah, 
It is a movie. Mm. It is a movie made a, for like a, a real million movie bucks, you know? That lots of people have seen and like, so. Th- this is ranked pretty high in people's um, all-time scary movies. I'm sure most of them are my age, and it's like a nostalgia thing. I'm telling you, man, even without nostalgia, this movie can be appreciated. Now, I think oh, yeah. in my case, you know, I'm coming from seeing all the Halloween movies for 20 years, so maybe I've built a net of nostalgia. And so when I see Dean Cundy, Tommy Lee Wallace, Deborah Hill, Nancy Loomis, the guy that plays Sheriff Brackett, Jamie Lee Curtis, like everybody, the gang's all here, man. Yeah, the gang's all here. It's like watching the Scooby-Doo episode. Like he's... yeah. Just waiting for uh, the Sheriff Brackett to take the mask off. It was Old Man <laughs> Loomis the whole time. The whole time. I shot him six times. <laughs> and I would have gotten away with it. <laughs> if he left a dent in the rug. Oh, man. I found it funny that uh, Tom Atkins' character name was Nick Castle. Yeah. Did you? Okay, so George, there's a million little things that I, you probably didn't catch. Did you catch that his name was Nick Castle? I did. Did that name mean anything to you? I was going to ask you who Nick Castle is, because <laughs> uh, I know it's someone. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Yeah, we, yeah. Played Michael Myers in the first and in the oh, most yeah, recent. Oh, yeah, duh. Yeah, friend of the show, Nick Did Castle. a video yeah, for us telling everybody to watch the fall break and calling Travis Trevor. Friend of the Trevor. show, Nick Castle. <laughs> this <laughs> character is, is named after him on purpose. Trevor. Trevor is on my birth certificate. Is it really? No. <laughs> oh, okay, <yeah. laughs> but, but enough people through my life have called me Trevor that I'm I'm I'm, fi- I'm not fine with it. Not fine with it. It's not good. But whatever. It's still Nick Castle. <laughs> it was still cool. <laughs> he thought about saying my name. I he appreciated name. Nick Castle Said doing that for us. He's a nice guy. Yes. Big fan. There's a few names in this movie. Is it Tom- Tommy Wallace? Is another character name? Is there? I know Tommy Lee Wallace produced this movie. Was there a character yeah, named Tommy Wallace? Can you? George, can you fast forward this a little bit? Let's look at that cast. I believe there's a Tommy Wallace in this movie as well, character-wise. Here's a little, uh, here's a hack for you guys. If you're ever thinking about starting a movie podcast, (laughs) after you've watched the movie, just like leave the first page of the credits up, and you get all the characters' names and the actors' names. You sound like like you're talking about. There is a Tommy Wallace. Look at that, played by George Buckflower. Buckflower. Oh, Buckflower. Oh, uh, uh, Charles Cyphers, who's Sheriff Brackett. Oh, yeah. Pause that. He plays Dan O'Bannon. Oh, that's amazing. I so didn't Dan realize O'Bannon his last name was O'Bannon. A, that's funny. It was involved in making Alien, Alien, right? He was the, was he the writer, director? He was the director. No, no he's the Scott. writer. He, he wrote. He was the writer. Ridley Scott directed it. Yeah, so Dan O'Bannon wrote it. Uh, there was one other name in Keep here. Keep going. Yeah, I think there was one more name I saw. I was like, hey, George, yeah, George Buck Flower. Flower. It's Tommy Wallace. And Tommy Lee Wallace Buck. played one of the ghosts. So look at that. Yes. So, you know, I remember a story when I was a kid, because I'm a 90s kid. We read a lot of Goosebumps back in my day. I remember mm-hmm. R.L. Stein talking about his process. And this was in something I would have read. So it would have been like in uh, an article, interview intended for kids. And he basically was like... I name my characters by looking at like enrollment sheets from my kid's school. So like mm. <laughs> he's just like, Oh, that's a funny name. Let me put this one in my story. Uh, I, I think I figured out John Carpenter's process. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if the kids whose names he chose 
ended up living out the story that he chose for them in the book. I think that's mm. a whole nother oh, whole nother meta books. book, man. Isn't that the plot line of the um, Jack Black Goosebumps movie? <laughs> Jack Black Goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, where he plays R.L. Stein and I don't his uh, well, I never, come into life. I never saw it. Oh, when the books are opened, the characters come out of the books. But when I th- I think of um, Stranger Than Fiction. Oh, oh yes. Yes, the Will Ferrell. And I'm yes. sure that that's not the first time that that's been done. No. You know, where the book kind of defines the person's story in the movie. I'm sure it's, it had to have been done it's before. It's been done a few times, yeah. As they say, uh, it is written. <laughs> it is. I don't think Carpenter did any of that for The Thing. I don't think any of the character names in that movie. But then again, Deborah Hill wasn't involved in writing that, was she? Interesting point. So she might be the one doing it. <laughs> hey, didn't we know a Tommy Wallace? Yeah, we do. Yeah, he's producing the movie. <laughs> <laughs> he's and standing right over there at Craft Services, dressed like a ghost. <laughs> and isn't his wife Nancy Loomis, or at the time his girlfriend? Or Nancy Loomis was married to the costumer from Halloween, one of the costumer Halloween. guys. Maybe, so maybe it's I don't one know of those things. His name. Maybe it's one of those things where you're like trying to be original, and like you like pull something out of your brain that's like in there for a reason, mm-hmm. but you don't know what the reason is. And you're like, this name, this name sounds great. It's totally original. I never heard it before in my life. <laughs> no, I mean, he's just naming, naming characters after his People friends, knows. which is I'm fun. just kidding. It's a lot of What's fun. funny is they did that. Although that happens though. Yeah. They, Sometimes they, they like you that. think you have an idea and it's just like an idea from something else and it's not yours and you right. don't realize. Yeah. I'm it. sure that never happened in the, Creating of Halloween, not one. Like they, <laughs> they're writing Halloween. They name the Doctor Loomis. I don't know if they had already cast Nancy Loomis, but the Loomis, there's the Loomis. And yeah, then, but that was that Loomis. That's I think that's a coincidental Loomis. The Loomis from it's the Psycho. Psycho, because right. they have so, so many they, names from Psycho in Halloween that like. Oh yeah, but then it goes full circle, and you have Scream, where they take all the characters from Halloween and name their characters in Scream from movies that were based on. Psycho characters, like it's just, I love that. That's that's good stuff. Well, and then Debbie Sue Voorhees pops up, gets cast in Friday Five, and like, I mean, that's just good, right. good casting. And by the way, she, by the time this podcast uh, launches, she's got a movie called Thirteen Fanboy, coming out on I assume streaming. Uh, Are you in it? I wish, <laughs> uh, but it's a lot of our favorite actors and actresses from the Friday series. Meta mm. being chased by like a stalker who's obsessed with okay. those movies. So like Kane Hodder's in it. Uh, nice. Judy Aronson is in it. Uh, mm. A lot of actors and actresses from those movies are in that movie, and I I'm excited. It'll launch this Friday, October twenty second, and <laughs> I'm there. I'm there. Sign me up. So Kane Hodder or Nick Castle, one's got to go. Why? Uh, Why has one got to go? Let's keep them both. It's just a hypothetical. Come on, it's fun. Are they going to fight it out? No. Because I've got my money on Kane if they're fighting. Kane looks like he (laughs) did 20 years ago, and Nick Castle looks like he aged about 50 years. All right, so so I'm I'm going Kane. Yeah. Keep Kane because he threatened my life. Yes. And so I have certain feelings for him. But what's cool about Kane is if you run into him at a hotel... You just buy him a beer and he'll hang out with you. Absolutely. Yeah. So he's like a regular, I'm regular average Nick Joe. Has the same way. I'm not sure. 
but I've seen Kane actually get shots bought for him, and then he just puts people in headlocks, and (laughs) (laughs) he's out of control. It's good shit. Yeah, and he wears his baseball gloves all the time, his batter's gloves. Yeah. have little hockey masks on him. Yeah. He wears them (laughs) 24-7. It's hilarious. He's got tan lines. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you'd never know it, because the gloves never actually come off. It's true. This movie kicks a little bit of butt. But I don't think it was the butt you were looking for. <laughs> I wasn't looking for any particular butt. These are not the butts you're looking for. I wasn't. Because like I said before, I I have no idea. You probably had some expect. expectations when you... Because Carpenter puts his name above every title. So when you're watching the opening credits, it says John Carpenter's The Fog. Yeah. So you're automatically going to go... And then you see the next, you know, second not name, necess- Jamie Lee Curtis. Not necessarily, because, no. you know, we watched uh, Halloween 2. Right. And this movie was presented to me as... The next John, step. John, no, John Carpenter's... Where John Carpenter's head was at, mm. what he actually was giving a crap about while he was making Halloween 2. You know what I mean? Right. So I was expecting, like, I don't know... Like something more scary, something more epic, something more thought out, like something more like just. I don't know. He was a better. year and a half with this movie. He was a year and a half away from epic. Well, and he like, had I, Escape from New York come out the next year. So I mean, he right. had three, basically three of his biggest hits after Halloween, with The Fog, Escape from New York, and then The Thing, which. At the time, we've talked about not the hugest hit, but now, like, right. well-regarded by everyone because it's so good. Yeah. And he was, like, world-building. Like, you, you, when, if you ever see Escape from New York, you'll see that that's John Carpenter's version of if he were to make an epic, sprawling, kind of Star Wars-esque kind of uh, IP. Like, he's... Okay. It's his version of, like, a... Judge a Dredd space type landing. world, not not a space landing, but like a futuristic <laughs> world of okay, you know, a post-apocalyptic world. Okay, but done John Carpenter's way, so it still has that low-budget feel. The same freaking, not the same exact actors. By then, he has established a relationship with uh, Kurt Russell, so Kurt Russell becomes his new Jamie Lee Curtis, mm. and they make pretty good movies together. Those two. Cool. Now, another thing that I don't know that I don't know that this would ever hit the button for George, but The Fog is a good example of a movie made with basically an acting troupe, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's the same guys again because it has to be the same guys because we're making these movies as a team. And it's hard to, because American movies, especially now, don't do this as much. Right, there is t- so much bureaucracy in the studios, and big pictures don't tend to unless they're just casting John Cena in everything at the moment. Like you just don't Aren't get they? a lot of like, you know, uh, you don't see the same ten people on every movie. You might see the same one guy in everything for a while. Channing Tatum, we had like an era mm-hmm. where that guy was in every movie. But uh, the way uh, that the Matthew fog is made, oh my gosh! All right, uh, all right, and and all right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> a future governor, uh, Matthew McConaughey. Yep, everything. Oh, I think he skateboards. He does a lot of things. Yeah, 
pretty he's sure, basically pretty yeah. sure he's keyboards. Yeah. Here's a good bongo player. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if he did. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, harkening back to you know, you guys know I love uh, talking about Jalos, right? Uh, but it's not just the Jalos, the westerns, all the Italian movies, because there's like 50 actors in Italy at this time in the 60s and 70s. The same 10 guys show up in every movie. And every time they do, you're mm. like, oh, it's that guy. Oh, hey, it's that guy. We're here. We're home. We're here together working as a troupe to make a new production as a team, right? You see it yeah. a lot with like Coppola in the 70s. You see a lot of guys from The Godfather show up in Coppola's other work because it's right. like, hey, the guys are here. We're having fun, you know? Fredo's back. But wasn't, like, <laughs> wasn't it kind of established back then? It's kind of a new thing to just kind of be a owner operator but back in the day you signed a contract with a studio and you're a 10 picture deal or whatever it is that you did and the same you know lot of actors were always being put in paramount movies or you know universal movies so it was kind of like you became a team player you bought into that uniform yeah but that, i'm contract. talking about independent movies you know these early carpenters okay. where he's got a million bucks and has to make a movie that has to make more than that yeah Sam, uh, Sam Raimi was the same way. Sam like Raimi, same... George Romero, if you ever see Knight yeah. Riders, guys, we're back to Knight Riders again. Uh, it's just the same guys from Dawn of the Dead making another movie. And Ed Harris is here for some reason. You know, it's just... <laughs> yeah, it's like, an, it's like a familiarity thing, mm -hmm. kind of like, especially with like independent movies, I can imagine that like you have actors that you're comfortable with. Yeah, or and, effects guys or direct... Like... Or, or even better, you have an actor that like, completely blows you away and you're like i have this other character and like i want him to do it because right. like i know he's gonna blow me away at it and like the director just like kind of has like some kind of like fanboy like love, love affair with an actor and just cast them in everything yeah like sam raimi and bruce campbell like <laughs> they're they grew up like best friends but i don't think if if Sam Raimi could have cast Bruce Campbell as Spider-Man, he would have. Right. <laughs> like, but he was just too old. Uh, but they work so well together, so you, you know you know the guy. You, but, you don't even have to direct him. He yeah, knows what you right, want. Right, exactly. But here's the thing. Like, it doesn't... It Like, when it's... When the actor and the director are truly, really good, they can do anything. Anything, right. And it's like, it's not... It doesn't feel like it's the same thing over and over again. You know, yeah. like John Landis was that way with Belushi. Like, yeah, he could have put John Belushi in every movie he made and he wanted to. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but and and Aykroyd, too. But yep. they both said, no, you can't use us for this, too. You just use this for that. And right. It's like they, right. it's almost like a, a strange version of typecasting. But I would I if John Landis was making if I had a relationship with him. I'd want to be in every freaking John Landis movie ever made. I would just say, listen, I don't, I don't care if I'm playing the clerk at, at the convenience store. I want to be in everything you make. I can think of one movie they wouldn't want to be in. What, Twilight Zone? <laughs> <laughs> I, I still <laughs> have Stay away from the helicopter. I need to watch that movie at some point, but I listen, don't know. I'm gonna... I, want, I want to get John Landis on the show one time, so we got to stop bringing that up. <laughs> okay. okay. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> that day you killed someone? Oh, yeah. God. Oh boy, dude! I'd love John Landis is one of my heroes. It's, to this day, an American Werewolf is like it's one of the best movies ever. <laughs> uh, you, you know, like how sometimes, yeah. like you, you watch a movie and you're like, "Yeah, that was really good," 
You know, mm-hmm. I was like, that was really good. It that will was, stick that, with you. That was a good movie. And then like more time passes and you're like, that movie is even better than I thought it was. Because you're seeing it. it in reference to other things yep. that are considered And then you continue right? living for a little bit longer and you go, you know what, damn, I was wrong. It's even better yeah. than <laughs> I originally thought it was. And I was blown away originally. That's why. That's an American werewolf yes. in London for me. And that's why when we hit our 100th episode or 150. <laughs> Which is only like 40 episodes yeah, away or We're going to sit down with George and get his top 10 movies that we've done so oh, far. Oh, that's such a good idea. We have to do it because you're going to revisit shit and you're going to say, you know what? I hated this when I watched it, but now, and then Peter Roller told me I had to love this movie. I'm going to save it. it. <laughs> I'm going to save it for the pod, but I know exactly right off the top of my head. Example. Yeah. We got to get at yeah. least 150 movies that you can pull 10. Yeah. And maybe we'll revisit them with someone who's never seen them. Something That's like that. That's a great idea. Know. Cause yeah, we've got to, we've got to see RoboCop again. Now that Peter Weller has set you straight. You're going to want to watch this one again <laughs> because true. your expectations will be different and you'll be like, oh, I was being so shitty. This movie is actually really good. Maybe. <laughs> possibly. And I did like that it was a tragedy. I, what's funny is I, I there's not only... It's an opposite of a, of a slasher film. Like, there's not a final girl. There's a final victim. <laughs> But there's not there's a final a, there's girl. There's a final priest. Yeah, everybody <laughs> else survives. Like, this is the first movie I've seen in a long time where everybody survives. Yeah. And then at the very end, they're like, no, 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 no. We're going we're gonna to kill the final girl who's a priest. Yeah, it's funny <laughs> about that. It's like, that was one of the things that made zero sense to me. What, his, him being beheaded? Well, yeah, like, why not? Like, you know, because he's got the cross... Which is what he melted all the gold into. Yeah, you know, blah, blah, I think blah. it had to do with the fact if they would have established the six, he's the uh, one of the only people that shares the exact same name with the person that did that to them. I get it. So that's why he. Lost I get his head. it, but all of that is established when Blake puts his hand on the cross and it turns to light. Mm-hmm. Or whatever happens, whatever's going on there. When the priest hands that over to him, he does say to him, "I." I he basically he damns gives himself. He, he gives says, himself up, right? I am. I am at fault. Even the, just through my lineage. Even though, I'm okay, at fault. so even though, all right, so which I don't another believe. thing about this movie, because I'm an American, mm-hmm. because I'm from America, the West, right, and the individual is paramount. In the West. Okay. Why should any of these people answer for what their grandparents did? They're paying for the sins of the fathers and grandfathers. That's they're paying for the sins of the father, yeah. And you can, and you can be like, you're not at fault for that. That was your granddad. He was an now, ass. Now, how cool would it have been? Again, this is the difference between a 1980 movie and a movie today. Okay. What you're talking about, the same ending where the fog comes back into the church and fathers anyone left there. And he has a moment, a breakdown, crying, sacrificial moment where he says everything you just said. And then they cut his head off anyway. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Yeah, like just pouring his heart out. Like, yep. But I'm not, I'm not them. Yes. I'm not them. Spare me. No, not even that. And then that. Blake is just not, like... Not even that. Like, not, sp- not spare me. Yeah. Just, like, just like totally renouncing the f- that 
part of the family that that sin mm-hmm. or whatever and just saying like here it is i put the ball in your court you can show mercy or you can kill me because you know i would want revenge too right and you would want and then you would want blake to say to have mercy on father maloney right right you would want that but then he kills him anyway. It would be he great. Kills him I think yeah. it would have been great. And Fantastic. it would have it would have given Father Maloney a moment of redemption. Mm-hmm. And now his death is no longer a revenge death. It's now a like almost like a I don't want to say sacrificial. It's not lamb. It's but, not. It's not a justified revenge death anymore. Right, because he's begged for forgiveness. He's shown yes. remorse. He's shown whatever. And technically, he didn't have to, because like you said, it, I'm not them. I'm yeah. not. That that should have been his thing. He should have kept repeating it. Yeah. And then they just lop his head off when he says that. Essentially, though, yeah. you then turn Blake into Anton from No Country, which I'm fine with, you know? Yeah. Like, exactly. oh, he's not going to yeah. do it because, oh, he looked at the bottom of his yeah, shoe. Yeah, he's not going to do this because, yeah, he's going to realize that this dude has nothing to do with this. And he's, this dude's actually, like, a pretty good dude. Not like his grandfather. Yeah, because he had has no idea about any of this shit Listen, two days ago. He, he might have <laughs> never met his grandfather. Right. At all. You know, it's possible. Now, if Jordan Peele made this movie, that might have been the commentary. Maybe. I've really come around on us, guys. It took me a long time, but now I totally get it, and it's really good. <laughs> no, it's it's, it's like good, it. man. I'm going to have to watch it again, though, but it's just so scary. The first hour it or so. It basically has just, the ooh. same thing that this movie has. It has great imagery and uh, moments. But it's lacking in certain parts, like lacking in direction, lacking in acting. I don't remember so, there being bad acting. I just remember thinking certain parts at the end didn't make sense. And then I had a light bulb moment. And I was like, oh, that's why it hmm. didn't make. And now I'm, oh, this movie's good and I didn't get it. So I'm sorry, Jordan Peele. Us is good. I yeah, might well, like maybe, it better maybe than we'll visit. Maybe we'll visit it as a, as a cast or as a uh, staff. Patreon. And maybe you can school me on why you like it, because I'm not I'm not sold on it. It took me two years to come around though, and that's just because I'm kind of dumb and didn't get the end. <laughs> I was like, oh, nah, I, I was I was on board for the first hour. Maybe I can get you on board at the last. Got a little then. crazy. We'll see. So, George, the fog. One of the reasons we had you watch it now, we wanted you to think of it in the context of. A 1980 movie industry where there are no sequels to slasher movies yet. In fact, there really Mm -hmm. aren't many slasher movies besides Halloween. Right. Where would a director go to continue the energy that they left off with with Halloween? If they were, say, and they weren't, but if they were going to, say, make another movie in the spirit of Halloween, but kind of the inverse, right? You get the inverse of the Laurie Strode character with Jamie Lee Curtis playing kind of a an edgy uh, a, a freewheeling kind of freewheeling yeah free spirit free spirit not tethered by the mores of uh, an uptight the opposite of an uptight Laurie Strode it happening exactly the opposite period from Halloween intentionally right like six months the other side of the calendar so would this movie have any chance of success for you as a Halloween 2 instead of the Halloween 2 and the sequels that follow? Are you on board yet? The idea of it? Yes. 
the execution. Nah, not really. Now, what if what if we done Halloween one and two, and then Michael Myers burned to a crisp? The fog ends up your Halloween three, and it's called Halloween three: The Fog. How do you think you would have handled that? Is the fog? Is Michael Myers the only one in the fog? No one's. No Michael Myers in the fog. Michael Myers is dead. It's just a whole new story, but it's Halloween and we need a story, so we're doing a different story. I don't know because it, because when you when you describe it like that, my first instinct is like just no, just make it a totally different movie. But then again, uh, you know, it, I keep coming back to that that series, uh, Black Mirror, mm-hmm. which is like that. Also, you have like um, Twilight Zone, the series, mm-hmm. which is like that. Um, and both of those shows are great. So, could you have a series of movies like that? I suppose. Well, it's kind of like uh, American Horror Story. Like they, they originally their idea was it kind of got out of hand, but the first season was this cast of characters telling the story. And then the next season was a totally different story. Mm -hmm. All the same actors playing different characters. Yeah. And then season three, they lost some actors, but they still had some people coming in playing the same, Mm -hmm. same actors, but playing different characters. This is a very familiar sounding story, Travis. Is it? It is. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to tell George what we're watching next week? I don't know what we're watching next week. George. <laughs> next week. We said week, a few movies. We will be watching a movie. <laughs> a movie that really has a title that I think does a disservice to it, honestly. Okay. Uh, the movie we are going to be watching is Halloween 3, Michael Goes to Hell. Stop no. it. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween 3, Michael Goes to the Fog. What the fog? oh my gosh no we are going to be watching halloween 3 actual subtitle for the movie halloween 3 not making this one up season of the witch season of the witch oh this is gonna be good (laughs) if you thought two was good (laughs) hold on to your butts (laughs) season of the witch season of the witch be prepared to take notes season of the witch so I mean, I kind of want to give you context. A little bit. Because I, wanna, I want you to give this movie a fair shake. Unlike what you did to The Fog, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which would so, have been better if it was called Halloween The Fog. So a little bit of background for Halloween 3. Uh, yeah, Halloween 2 The Fog, I would much prefer uh, than Halloween 2 we got. But that's just me. And most people. Uh, <laughs> so Halloween 2... John Carpenter's heart's not in it. I've said that a dozen times on this show because I'm trying to get across to you that John Carpenter didn't give a flying fuck about Halloween 2, but he wrote it because the studio saw Friday 2 doing well and thought, hey, there's mm-hmm. money here. We got to do more Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. To which John Carpenter's like, why would I write the same movie again? Ugh. At the end of Halloween 2, he burns Michael Myers all, all to hell, right? Like mm-hmm. that story is over if you let it right. be over. Right. He's like, I should have. I should have did this in the first one, mm-hmm. so I didn't have to do the second one. Until Laurie Strode picks the mask up and puts it on and becomes <laughs> Laurie Jason. <laughs> Laurie Jason. <laughs> Laurie Jason. Laurie Michael. Laurie Michael. Laurie Michael. Laurie Michael, get in here. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Saturday Night Live is born. John Carpenter has his way. He has to make a Halloween three. Instead of continuing the Michael Myers story, which for his all intents and purposes, he has ended in kind of one movie too late. He decides to go with the anthology feel, right? We're going to do Halloween. It'll be the third one. So we'll call it Halloween three, but we're going to just start fresh and do a new thing. And then when this movie makes money, we'll do a Halloween four and it'll be about goblins or some shit. Yeah. Something Halloween five. We got jack-o'-lanterns biting babies or something. You know, it's just, we're just going to do scary stories. Halloween happens every year. This is money to be mined from our audience. We'll just make one every year. It'll be fun. People will have fun. One problem, George. It's 1982. (laughs) The media is not catching wind of what's going on. They see this weird subtitle. There's a trailer, but who sees trailers? Uh, in the 80s, you know, I don't know. Why aren't people seeing the trailer? Maybe the trailer sucks. Maybe I should look it up and see. Hi, this is Dan in Post. Travis sent me the trailers after we recorded. They're fine, and they make it pretty clear what's going on. I guess people just didn't see the trailers? We'll cover this again, I'm sure, during the next episode, but... The problem is the audience 100% goes to the theater, buys tickets, and expects Michael Myers to come back. Can, can I step in for a second? Do it, Since man. I am... Old AF. Oh, yes, you're old AF. Tell us the perspective of the old uh, man. The commercial. Were there lobby cards for this movie? No. The no? commercial okay. for Halloween 3 was all over the freaking TV. Okay. They plugged the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. They played the theme song. They played uh, They played up the Silver Shamrock stuff. So it's like th- there was a lot of promotion for this was movie. It, was it made clear in the promotions that... The direction they this were was, going? This was going to be different? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's frustrating to me, to know that they, they did know, a good job of known. telling people and people are just too stupid to realize what they're buying. Ugh. I so think it, wasn't how... like a, it wasn't like a Spielberg E.T. And then... There's a lot of Spielberg E.T. No, 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 no. Like Spielberg <laughs> E.T. And then what was the next one that came out? That oh, was Poltergeist. Defi- yeah. yeah, Poltergeist. Yeah. That was definitely not for kids. Yeah, yeah it's that kind of bullshit. But it's like, <laughs> when, when I remember... Was it 83 you said? So I was seven, you know, pushing eight. So that's like right when Return of the Jedi came out. So I was pretty aware of propaganda. Dude, I uh, love that. I love how like you, like you, you range your childhood as to like yeah. when Return of the Jedi came out. Yeah, what stickers were on my headboard? <laughs> yeah, eight, 82. <laughs> were they oh, Garbage Pail Kids? Were they Return of the Jedi? Or it's were like, they let, me th- let me think of it, you know, in terms of the, like the most significant thing that happened in my childhood. Return of the Jedi. Yeah, 1983, Return <laughs> of the Jedi. Boom. <laughs> I remember being aware of what trailers were, ads in the newspaper. I started like clipping and collecting newspaper mm-hmm. uh, ads for yep. movies coming out. Uh, posters in the newspaper. I was going to the video store, and they would always have a box by the front door that had like posters of movies that they no longer were promoting. So I would grab those, you know, all that stuff. So I was very involved in that that mentality of promotion of movies in 1983. Okay, and I remember Halloween three being plugged like crazy on TV. I remember that that music being played. Okay, and they were. They were counting on the fact that Halloween is an established word that surrounds an established franchise. Franchise, yep. but there was there was something wrong there. <laughs> okay, like I remember watching it, going, "Okay, 
I know what Halloween is, but this is not Halloween, but it's associated with Halloween. So I'm in. It, it, it's hard to explain because you don't know what I'm talking about, but when you when you see it, you'll go, oh, okay. And you'll see why it's such a uh, Dude, listen, iconic movie. Like, <laughs> like I said before, I'm not totally against this idea. I've seen, like I said, Black Mirror, Twilight mm-hmm. Zone. These are these are shows that I yeah. adore. So, but here's the thing: those things are done really well. Mm-hmm. So, it's got to be done well. Period. Yeah, you know. When I got a so, little older, we'll see. I, I got that because you know, Tales from the Crypt came out. It was an HBO show. Mm-hmm. Every week you get a new story, same Crypt Keeper talking and then intro- mm-hmm. introing. You get these A-list actors doing these little half-hour uh, vignettes. Tales from the Dark Side was on TV. That was the same way. Mm-hmm. Creep show. Uh, I don't know any of these things, by the way, but will. I get it Yeah, Twi- in, in, relation, in relation to the things that right. I know that are doing this. Twilight yeah. Zone, the movie, which we will definitely be watching. Like that 83 to 90 span was constant uh bombardment of what we're talking about that, okay what was it what was the word you used dan anthology in there anthology yeah anthology. yeah that anthology, that anthology mentality yeah. you know uh creep show is a big movie in my life so that the fact that they have new shows on now for creep show is pretty awesome and greg nicotero is doing it nice but it's just like those little half hour stories that just living comic books basically where you're just getting these reoccurring actors doing different characters this and that's almost like you know saturday morning theater where you're getting this it's totally different story but it's the same actors so you're like i like that guy he's good and i love what he just did and i love that better and like you you can that's basically what these kind of movies were thought to be like we're just going to make these movies with the same feel some were hit, some the, were missed. Yeah, the familiarity of it yeah. is is cool. All right, cool. All right, so the I want you to frame it this way, George, as you watch this movie, because we're we're correcting history, much like you had to watch Failsafe before you watched Doctor Strangelove. We're correcting history right. here. Uh, Halloween two. I want you to think of the fog. So it's Halloween, the fog. Halloween, the fog, and then Halloween and then... three, season of the witch. And you can just think of it as Season of the Witch, if that makes it easier for you. Okay. Go into it with that context. Check that movie out, and we will talk about it next week. Thank you for joining us on the Remedial Film Class Podcast. As always, you can find us at Facebook.com slash Remedial Film Pod. You can find us at Twitter and Instagram at Remedial Film Pod. You can email us, RemedialFilmPod at gmail.com. Are you listening to this on your phone or via one of those RSS media apps like, you know, Amazon, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts? Well, did you know we're also on YouTube? I thought you should know that because, like, we're there. We get some cool bonus video content for October. We put some bonus stuff into each episode, too. So if you're looking for a rewatch or a re-listen, we're always there at YouTube. And, hey, are you already on YouTube? Did you know you could take us with you easily on an RSS feed like Apple Podcasts or Stitcher? Well, we're there for you every week. New episodes drop each Wednesday. We'll be back next Wednesday with Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. (laughs) (laughs) Five more days till Halloween. What is it called?
Silver Something of the Witch. Season of the Witch. Season, season of, the, of witch. the Witch. So how's it go? The, season of the Witch. No, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. Did you notice this one? <laughs> uh, for the first time in one of these in a while, the theme song is not, you know, the fog, the fog. Instead, the actual like <laughs> rhythm of the theme song is the knocking, which I think yeah. is fucking awesome because you don't see the knocking till way late in the movie. Yeah. But that do, 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 do. It starts off the beginning. You don't know what that is. And then by the end of the movie, you're like, oh, that's the guy knocking. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I like that the fog good. a lot. The, the music, we didn't even talk about. The music in this movie is really good. Music's good. The cinematography is awesome. That shot at the beginning in the grocery store where you're looking at the guy on the two mm-hmm. mirrors, but you're not seeing the camera. Dean Cundy put in his work, man. For me, the only thing that ruined any sim- cinematography was the the fog effects sometimes. Like when it was coming over the bay, it was cool. It was eerie. But when it was traveling the streets, it just looked like billowing smoke. So it was just like didn't have that fog feel. Like I remember mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Uh, yeah, because fog doesn't billow like that. It just it, appears. Yeah, it's not like a fog it, machine. It, it like descends. Yeah, it just kind of like what... hovers and kind of. It's almost like a glacier. Yeah. So the billowing kind of threw me off a little bit. But I remember uh, the remake of King Kong. In they the should call 70s. this movie the smoke. The smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the steam, the steam, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, what's the what's the thing you're always um, <laughs> the, the the vape, the vape, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the fog in the King Kong remake, like in the original King Kong, the whole island is surrounded by a fog bank, yeah, but it's just basically looks like storm clouds, it's clouds, that's what fog is, but in the remake, seventy six remake, they actually make a wall. Of cloud, like it, you can tell, it looks like a wall around this island mm-hmm. that they have to sail through to get to Skull Island. So it's like the fog in that movie is a character. It's thick. Yeah, it's like a the wall of China. Like you look at it, and it looks like a wall. Right. It has character. That's what I was expect would expect. And that was seventy six, so this was made afterwards. Right. Uh, if they would have done that, a glacier type wall of moving fog it would have looked menacing it would have looked but it would have almost been like michael myers in the sense that yeah, it's like a fog version of michael myers it's slow moving but it's going to get you there you can't get away from it right yeah so it worked except for the scenes in the street like when it's chasing the car or they're like doing k turns to get away from it and then all of a sudden yeah. you see this billowing smoke come in like to me it would have looked better if it was almost like a that creepy graveyard fog like in Thriller, yeah, where it's kind of just like slowly on the coming in through the buildings, like you see it engulfing, almost like nine eleven, the the smoke coming around the buildings. Like, yeah, to me, it would have been more scary, not b- b- like billowing blobby type fog, but actually, it looked like it was reaching for the car, like it was, it had a character. They were yeah, really hampered by scary. their budget. I would like to see this oh, movie remade. Of all of the ones we talked about so far, I think yeah. you could make didn't this make movie. Didn't, didn't any of these characters have a dehumidifier in their homes? <laughs> like, I think there is a remake, but it's like universally panned. I want a good. Yeah, I heard it's horrible. I want a good remake because you've got the CGI now. You know, you don't do all of the fog with CGI, but you just you clean it up on the edges mm-hmm. with the CGI, and you get some decent actors in there, and like a really ambitious director who isn't afraid I think to say we something. Wrote, we wrote a pretty good remake tonight. Yeah, we really did. <laughs> John, call me. Yeah, man. 
just a, a few character events, like dialogue-driven events would have changed this movie. And I don't think any of it was borrowed from any Jallo that we haven't seen. No. Try to think. No. <laughs> Actually, have you guys ever heard of the... the, uh, the oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Yeah, wait. Wait a minute. The opening scene oh? in the convenience store, you get the swinging sign. Oh. The very, creepy swinging uh, yeah, wooden Blood sign. and black lace. Nice. Blood and black lace. Did you guys ever right. hear and the... And the maggot head. There was a maggot and head. And the maggot head, oh, yeah. God. That wasn't a Jallo, though. And what about the the whole idea of the silhouetted killer as well? That's, that's yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you're... Where she's she's kind of sliding down the roof of the lighthouse, and he's mm-hmm. standing there at the end of the ladder, mm-hmm. where she's basically going to slide into his blade. That's yeah. very yellowish. Very. Yeah. Very. There's a few. I, li- I like I like this movie. It reminds me of Tombs of the Blind Dead, if you've ever seen any of those. <laughs> from I think they're Spanish from the 70s. There's one that takes place on a galleon, so it's like a ghost ship, and the right. the ghost dudes look a lot like uh, these guys. But that was kind of cool. That scene where the the ghost ship passed by the uh, the fisher, fisherman boat. I had a very Pirates of the Caribbean, Caribbean yeah, feel well, to it. I remember watching the opening scene of Pirates of the Caribbean. And thinking of that scene. Thinking of this movie. Yeah. I was like, oh man, they stole that yeah. right out of here. Yeah. yeah.